is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 70, operating on March 29th, 2021. This is Doug. I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Drew, how was your week? It seemed like the weather on the East Coast was beautiful. It was beautiful uh, up until yesterday. We had thunderstorms. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's summer is. Uh, it just seems like we went from snow to to thunderstorms within a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I would. I was there when that happened. The first couple of days mm-hmm. I was in Philly, it was cold. Oh yeah, it yeah. Snowed overnight one night, and then the day I left, it was eighty degrees, sunny. The yeah, leaves were coming out on the trees. The birds were chirping. Well, we had a little bit of a uh, um, not a scare, but a little. Um, alert if you will with really high winds so um thankfully they died down but there there were forecasts that there were going to be up to 50 knots that that was on friday right that was on friday that was when i was telling you please avoid atlanta because um they were having thunderstorms go through that whole area but they cleared it up yeah you did fly through atlanta i did well my my departure out of philly was crazy it was the probably one of the most turbulent departures i've had in a really long time Mm mm-hmm until we got up to altitude, basically, we were rocking around and you could just tell that the winds were crazy. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. Now, um, we always have our word of the week, it seems like. I think last week or the week before it was cavalier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, uh, how cavalier of Southwest to buy 300 737s. So you know what it is this week, right? No. <laughs> you said it. I mean, so I'm sitting at work and oh uh, yeah i know what it is yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so alex is sitting there he's one of my uh employees he's talking to someone at express or something so long conversation and finally he's like you know i'll circle back on that with you and then i started laughing and so did dan at another desk one of my help one of my uh, employees because we joke about uh you know the new press secretary for biden yeah I love her. She has a, a good answer for everything. But when she doesn't, <laughs> she's like, all right, well, that's I'll, very we'll interesting. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. And then you never hear anything about it. <laughs> so when Alex said that, we're like, he's never going to call. <laughs> so in the same vein, Doug and I, listeners, we were having a fake fight about <laughs> change fees this morning. And then finally, we're like reaching impasse. <laughs> and Doug goes, all right, all right, whatever. We'll circle, about, circle back on this in a year, which means we're <laughs> never going <laughs> to. All right. So how was your week? Uh, well, my week was a lot better than that pilot in San Jose. I don't know if I, I know that you I know that you heard about <laughs> yeah. it. I don't know if the listeners all heard about it. There was a pilot. We won't say who the airline that he flies for, but. I'm guessing there's a job opening now based on what he said. He was complaining about liberals and California and weirdos. And I, I, I don't, I have no idea where any of that came from. He's just having a bad day, I think. But, uh, you know, one of our uh, guests, uh, what's uh, Francis uh, from uh, up north. He was saying, are you guys talk, going to talk about this pilot in the hot mic? And I'm like, no, dude, we're not. That's just too controversial. But it, it's kind of funny. So, it is, yeah. Yeah, the guy's so angry. So just to paraphrase, I, I don't remember the whole thing, but I just heard a snippet. But he's like, these damn liberals with their <laughs> with their Hyundai, <laughs> driving around in their Hyundais. <laughs> First of all, I lived in San Jose, right by the airport where he was taxiing, right? I went to school there. 
I have never owned a Hyundai in my life, nor do I know anyone in my family in California that has owned a Hyundai. So <laughs> do you, you're in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. I I'm what 60, 70 miles up the road from San Jose. And I don't think I've seen a single Hyundai in my neighborhood in the <laughs> almost four years that I've lived here. I mean, if you said Prius or something, that would make more sense. <laughs> yeah. You guys y'all do drive a lot of pre I is a pre I I have no for, idea. For yeah. I don't know. But my concern is, what's wrong with Hyundai? Like these new Hyundai Sonatas, yeah, I'm they hearing look, they're really nice. They look great. I, yeah. I've had, yeah, I've had a couple of rental Hyundais, and, and they're they're great. But I guess it makes me a weirdo for yeah. living in California <laughs> and saying I like Hyundais. Well, he also said, "There's, I think he said, there's probably eight guns in this whole area." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm telling you, we could get the guy in a Hyundai Santa Fe, which is their SUV. Put that gun rack on top. He he would love it. <laughs> Put Maybe that he, gun he rack on top. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. But you know, also in your week, you were had you were grilling a whole chicken coop yesterday. Oh yeah. Well, I I told you that with two kids and um, multiple animals around here. <laughs> We, I, I don't have time during the week to do anything. So Drew, Drew was laughing at me because I grilled, what was it, like eight chicken thighs, I think, yesterday. Yeah. That's why I, I, we have to do that on the weekends. We have to prep for the week. I, otherwise, we we won't have time. We'll eat cereal for dinner every night. Yeah. And then you can do so much with that, right? Yeah. Well, and after being in the sim nonstop for, what, 11 days straight, it was kind of nice to just stand outside, 80 degrees, sunshine, mm -hmm. grill a little bit. Yeah, Doug, you guys, Doug has had such a crazy week. And I know just being out there grilling was probably such a break for you. So um, Doug sends a little video of himself with this, the biggest wrench I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't even know. I thought it was a joke. I thought no. it was a prop. Well, it was it was a joke. I wasn't actually turning the wrench. I just took a picture <laughs> with it. But the uh, fact that wrench exists is pretty crazy. So he's at the simulator. The simulator is huge. It's like a building on stilts. And then he takes some, it's the U.S. government, so it's probably a $200,000 stick, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, broom handle. Where, <laughs> and then he, he pokes something on the simulator, and it looks like it's going to come crashing down. And it did, and you got out of the way. What, what were you doing? I, I know I mentioned it a little bit last week, but one of our sims moved. And because of that, we had to do all of the testing on the sim to make sure that it runs properly when the students get in there and, and start using it for training. And we had this this binder, no joke, four inches thick. I, I sent you a picture of this, Drew. We spent eight to 10 hours, 11 days straight in the sim, running through all these tests, mm -hmm. pulling circuit breakers, making sure that the lights come on that are supposed to. We do all the flying in the sim, make sure that the altimeter says what it's supposed to at the altitude we're supposed to be at and the visuals and all that. But the funnest part of it was that video I sent you. There are, oh, I don't know, probably a dozen emergency stop switches. Mm -hmm. So as you said, it's a building on stilts. It's all hydraulically operated, full motion. Yeah. And we had, to, we had to punch every one of those buttons to make sure that the emergency stop worked in case there, you know, something crazy is going on with the sim. So, oh, so that those are all emergency stops. They're all emergency stops. Mm -hmm. That someone accesses from the outside to, to shut it yeah, down. Yeah. So there, there are there are red buttons that are closer that you don't actually have to use a two hundred thousand dollar broomstick to mm -hmm. push, but that there are multiple fail safes, just like in airplanes, backup systems and, and everything. Same yeah. thing with this with the hydraulics. There are multiple buttons that you can press. And I had to do a lot of those tests in the sim where you push the button and it comes crashing down, it gets all black in there. Uh -huh. It was funny because 
no one else wanted to go in with me. None of the other people testing the sim. They all said, no, man, you're on your own. So I, I went in there by myself and did all those emergency stop tests together or by myself in there. It was actually pretty fun writing the sim down like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to look at because, um, now, you know, we say stilts, but they're actually hydraulic legs. Legs. Yeah. Hydraulic legs. And how there's a bunch of them. How many are there? There's six. There's six and they, they all can operate independently. One, okay. one leg can move by itself and the other five stay still or all six can move at the same time in any combination thereof. And that's how we're able to get the sim to feel exactly like the airplane. Because if you yeah. think about it, th- picture yourself sitting in the passenger seat for takeoff. You feel mm-hmm. that acceleration. You feel yourself go back into your seat. The only way you can simulate that is to tip the sim. So mm-hmm. when when the sim excel or when the airplane accelerates in the sim to create that acceleration feeling, it has to tip up. Yeah. And then once you get airborne, it has to find a way to continue tipping to make you feel like you're climbing. And so all these different things we had to test to make sure the angles were right and, and make sure that it flew like the airplane and that it flew like that sim did a year ago when it was in the other location. So that yeah. way they can they can start training. So what Doug's talking about is um, a DC-10 simulator. Now, my question is, so there's only what the the jacks are probably, what, six feet in length? If that yeah, when, when it's down and then when it goes up, they're probably upwards of 12 feet. So how does it simulate a drop in altitude? Because planes can drop, you know, mm-hmm. a thousand feet. Yeah. How do you simulate that with jacks that are so short? Yeah, we, we can't simulate the severe drops, like where flight attendants get thrown up to the top of the cabin and, mm-hmm. and drink carts go all over the place. But uh, we had to do some rough air testing the other day, r- rough runway and rough air testing. And there are different levels that you can set it to. That thing was rocking. It was it yeah. was pretty realistic. I mean, I flowed wow. through severe turbulence in the airplane. It it wasn't quite severe in the sim, mm-hmm. I would say, but it was it was pretty close. It, it's amazing what these simulators can can do to make it seem like you're in the actual airplane. Can you simulate a roll? No, you can no. fly. You can fly a roll, but you can't. It, it won't. It won't go upside down. No. Okay. So yeah, a lot of listeners are like, "How can we get in it?" So um, you know, all, all of our friends that ask, I'm like, "Yeah, sure, me first. <laughs> no, that's really exciting. And you know, I'm wondering if this thing is actually more advanced than the DC-10 itself. <laughs> it could very well be. Right. Yeah. It at, at this point it could be. Yeah, because the sim, it's in. Aviation terms, it's a relatively new sim. I think it was built mm-hmm. sometime in the 90s. So the sim itself is a lot younger than the actual airplane. Isn't it MD-10? No, DC-10. DC-10. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. it doesn't have the full glass. No, no, because we still have an engineer. Right, okay. Yeah, the, the MD-10 is full glass with no engineer. Yeah, we're, okay. we're still st- mostly steam, steam gauges and steam <laughs> dials. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, right, you well, go back to it. Yeah, what's that? You go back to it this week? Um, no, I'm I'm back in the office this week and then on the road again next week. So um, it'll be kind of nice to just have a little bit of a breather. Yeah, it was it was nonstop. I mean, you were what was it? Um, eight hours straight in the sim. A couple days, it was ten. Yeah, and we worked over the weekend too. So we were in there from Monday, oh. what two and a half two weeks ago through Friday. I, I left on Friday mm-hmm. evening and I was in the sim for seven hours before I went to yeah. the airport to fly home. Yeah. 
Oh, so at the end of it, you're probably like, I, I hate airplanes. So it was much. it was fun the first couple of days. And then it just became tedious because uh, and I was telling you, I, I was hoping to fly a couple of those days in, in yeah. the sim because a lot of those tests, you're just sitting on the ground pulling buttons. You're not actually the visual isn't on. You're not actually flying or practicing the flying or taxiing or anything like that. It's just literally sitting in the seat, pulling a button and make sure a light goes off on yeah. your panel and then the light comes back on. And then mm -hmm. all kinds of tests like that. So yeah, so then uh, this is a Doug problem. So after playing on on the sim, he's finally like, oh, finally get to relax and work on the the episode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, it was like an escape <laughs> for me. <laughs> and speaking of, <laughs> yeah, should we get to some news? Yeah. All right. Uh, you're up first. What do we have? So I have the story from USA Today, and it's titled. So long social distancing, Southwest Airlines resumes pre-pandemic boarding. So Southwest has been boarding in groups of 10 to promote social distancing. That number was increased to groups of 30 on March 15th. Now the airline will uh, return to its pre-pandemic boarding process. And quote, this is from Southwest. The majority of our customers are familiar with Southwest standard boarding style and have an expectation for the normal boarding process as they return to travel, unquote. That is from Southwest spokeswoman Brandy King. Physical distancing reminders will still be in place. JetBlue also stopped boarding from back to front and has resumed its traditional boarding groups. United and Delta still have their pandemic boarding policies in place. And um, I didn't know this. American never changed its procedures. Yeah, I didn't realize that either until I read this yeah, article. I yeah. You know, it, and I flew. We flew Delta American. Now that you say that. We yeah. did, but that was that was just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so I, I never I never flew them early in the pandemic to to really tell. So if, if that's not true, let us know. But that's a couple of the articles we saw. That's what it said. That's interesting. I didn't even realize. So when we flew American from Miami to Kennedy, it was just mm -hmm. normal. Yeah, just in the normal groups. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Well, for, so first of all, on, on Friday, and I, I didn't text you this. I wanted to wait until the podcast. It's funny because TSA, they say practice social dis distancing mm -hmm. and airlines say practice. Why, why, why do we say practice, right? Because what, what does practice mean? That means getting preparing better, preparing, getting better. So why do we say practice? Why don't, why don't we just say, uh, I, I don't know, what's a better word than practice? Maintain. Do, maintain. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. Yeah. So, well, sorry. practice also means do it. The, yeah. We're thinking about still, practice. Still, yeah, still, it was, it was funny to me, but I, I digress. I think this is a good thing, honestly, because even the 10-person the boarding groups, there have been so many times where they hold people up at the top and then they're like, okay, next 10 go through. And then there are mm -hmm. 40 people on the jetway anyways yeah. and people in the aisle. So what, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I see the optics of, of the whole 10 person boarding and, and whatnot, but they also have stickers on the floor, stickers on the jetway. Mm -hmm. People at this point have been conditioned to stay six feet away from others or at least attempt to. And even the backups on the jetway, people, still try and do the six feet thing so what does it matter how you board the matter. airplane and it doesn't matter and and they say oh well it, it has to do with people walking by you and and whatever once you're airborne people get up they use the lav that like people are moving around anyways so i i don't know you and yeah. i talk about getting back to normal as best we can knowing that it's still going to be a while before we're fully back to normal mm -hmm. but going back to these normal boarding processes i feel like is a step in that direction well, I, even so, in spite of COVID, right, you should maintain a smooth flow of customers into the plane. Mm -hmm. Now, in my early days where I wasn't that smart, 
when I was a supervisor upstairs, I think I'm going back to like Reno air days on quick turns. It'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's get them all in the jet bridge. Let's go, 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 go. All you have is 30 people packed together in a jet bridge. Mm -hmm. You can only board so fast and you're not, you're not making up any time. Yeah. So the social distancing, it's not slowing the process. It's just making it nicer Mm -hmm. because you can only have so many people enter the plane at the same time. You don't, you don't, or at everyone at the same time, pack the jetway and cause a whole, you know, cluster in there. So can, can I go back to what that spokeswoman said? She said yeah. that a lot of people haven't been traveling and they have that expectation of what it was prior to the pandemic. Think mm-hmm. about it. You, you and I have been flying quite a bit here and there during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know what it's like with these new pandemic rules and, and things like that. There are millions of people in the U.S. and around the world who are about to get on a plane for the first time in six months, 12 months, 18 months here in the coming, yeah. the coming weeks. And I, I remember talking about when I flew to Philly back in May, last May, how I was actually nervous to fly because I didn't know what the process was going to be like. Her comment about saying getting that expectation back to normal as people mm. start to fly again. I definitely can see that because it lowers that level of anxiety, anxiety right? for people who mm-hmm. are probably anxious to fly anyways, because they're worried about COVID or, or, you know, everything that's going on. So I think it's a good move. Oh, I think it's a good move. I think you can, um, you, you can gauge that or you can, um, what's the word you can uh, stage customers with social distancing and still maintain the same order of how you used to do it. You mm-hmm. board first class first, you board your, frequent flyers mm-hmm. and then you gradually board the plane you know you can still do that with social distancing yeah even though it's back to the same order yeah i, I agree real quick yeah i don't know about all the airlines but the airline that i work for for the cleaning process for turns mm-hmm. we've added 10 minutes yeah so the turn time is increased so that also helps us not rush because mm-hmm. now there's an extra step we know we have to do it Let's give everyone 10 more minutes. Moving on, the next article is from MarketWatch. It says, airlines, tourism businesses push U.S. to eliminate travel restrictions. It's a group asking the White House to create a roadmap for reopening within five weeks. And just as a back story on this, the Trump administration back in March put a lot of restrictions on international travel. And then I think it was back in... January or February, late January, early February, the administration imposed restrictions on even Americans coming back into the U.S. who had to show negative COVID, negative COVID tests. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So airlines and other tourism related businesses want to boost international travel and eliminate these restrictions. More than two dozen groups sent a letter to the White House. They're calling for vaccinated individuals to be exempt from testing requirements entering the U.S. They also want the CDC to say vaccinated people can travel safely. Currently, the CDC, which for those listeners who don't know, is the Centers for Disease Control. Currently, they still recommend against all non-essential travel. The group says that these steps will speed up the recovery. Drew, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so um, I'm glad that the airlines are working together on this, um, you know, because we need to be consistent when we mm-hmm. do these things did this did you mention the world health organization in this no i think that's that a that's a that's a later yeah that's the, a later okay yeah. so i'll wait so there's okay so they're saying calling vaccinated individuals to be exempt from testing see my concern with this doug is you and i are vaccinated now thank mm-hmm. goodness that'll probably help us travel around the world eventually but we could still be carriers mm-hmm. so just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean that you're not carrying the virus mm-hmm. that's my concern yeah 
Yeah, you think it'd be a two-part process? Yeah, and I I know uh, Moderna and I think Pfizer are in in the middle of the study on whether you could be a carrier, but you might not be able to actually give it to someone else mm. because it's it's dormant, is what they're saying. So they're doing oh, okay. study they're doing studies on that. So I I think and. and what for the last year we've been talking about listen to the science i yeah. say if the science comes out and says that the the risk of vaccinated individuals actually spreading it is very small yeah especially as more and more people around the us and around the world are getting vaccinated right. then yeah I, I think that this is a step toward opening and toward getting back to that recovery you know the only concern here and we're going to come to the world health organization also I I thought this was a great idea, but but I'm thinking from a U.S. perspective, and pro- I might be thinking from my own personal perspective. <laughs> um, in some of these countries, it's still very hard to get the vaccine. So is that yeah, especially fair? especially in parts of Europe, the industrializing world, definitely right. I mean, maybe the solution is one or the other: either you you're vaccinated or you have a test. Mm-hmm. All right, staying on that same theme, uh, BBC. This is from BBC from uh, the Qantas boss, governments to insist on vaccines for flying. The Qantas CEO, Alan Joyce, told the BBC that governments are going to insist on vaccinations for international travelers. He said many governments are already talking about a vaccination as a condition of entry. Qantas is considering implementing its own policy. 90% of the people that uh, that airline surveyed said a vaccination should be a requirement for international travel. So it looks like they wouldn't get pushed back a lot from their passengers. Their their passengers, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now here's the World Health Organization. So the World Health Organization, or the WHO, as you know, WHO, their director of digital health and innovation disagrees, which I was initially surprised by, Doug. So he said, we don't approve of the fact that a vaccination passport should be a condition for travel. We'll come back to this. IATA estimates that aviation supports $1.8 trillion in global economic activity. And um, Iceland just announced that passengers can show proof of a vaccination, including Americans, um, and will be allowed in without any quarantine or um, or need a negative test result. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of information, but what, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I want to hear your, your World Health Organization first. Yeah. So this is where I kind of now I'm thinking about if we should require vaccinations for international travel. So this is the World Health Organization, which represents people from the whole world. And if you're from South America or Africa, India, if you're from a third world country, the, vac- the vaccines aren't prevalent yet. Mm-hmm. So is that really fair to say only people from rich countries where people probably have been vaccinated can free, freely travel? That might be where he's coming from. Yeah, that that's a great point that I hadn't thought of. But he said as a condition for travel, what I'm thinking Joyce is saying is and and we're, we're speculating here without seeing yes. the entire um, the entire quote. Basically, it's, it's just what was in this interview. Joyce was saying as a condition of entry, he he may not be meaning people without the vaccine still can't travel. They would just have to produce a negative test or quarantine. So you still mm-hmm. have the option to travel without a vaccine. It, it would basically, the, the way I see it is if you're vaccinated, just like Iceland is doing, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. don't have to quarantine. You right. don't have to produce a negative test. If you haven't been, you still have to do that, but you're still allowed to travel. 
you're allowed to travel, but you have to quarantine. You have to quarantine or or follow mm-hmm. whatever whatever the local guidance is. Some countries, mm-hmm. I think it's 72 hours. Others, it's 14 days. But whatever that whatever the local guidance is. Well, here's an example. So I go to Sri Lanka every year. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, I'll make that come true this year, too. Usually, I go in February. There's still restrictions. But right now, you can go to I can go to Sri Lanka and I have to have a test, have a negative test, and I have to quarantine for one day. Mm-hmm. It used to be for 14 days. So that's a huge improvement. Yeah. And and that's not a condition of entry or a condition for travel. Like you yeah. don't have to be vaccinated. I don't know. It's like I said, it's hard to tell with what they were exactly saying. But I, I think if you and I were president and vice president, mm-hmm. or if we were running an airline and, and talking to the government saying this is how we should do it, I think the best course of action would be non or vaccinated people are are free to travel. Yep, non-vaccinated people have to produce a negative test or quarantine. And that way we can start opening up the borders and start right. opening up this travel and, and getting people moving around again. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, IATA, World Health Organization, anyone who's listening, just just um, do what we just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save some time. You don't need to bring everyone on a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving away from some COVID news. The Independent reports that Aer Lingus confirms the launch of Manchester services. The Irish flag carrier launched flights from the UK to North America, including Barbados, its first time serving the Caribbean. Other services will include Orlando, New York, JFK. Boston service is expected to begin in the summer season 2022, so next summer. Flights will be operated with A330s and A321LRs by Aer Lingus's Northern Ireland-based subsidiary. The airline says the service will complement its dub hub strategy, which is what they call the Dublin hub. I'd never heard that. I've never I, heard that. I like that. I thought you dub. made that up. No, it was it was <laughs> it was what the airline said in the press release. Okay. The the dub hub. The Manchester service won't come at the expense of growth in Ireland. So this is not replacing the dub hub in quotes. Okay, so before we go on, we have to mention something I forgot to. Yeah. So remember, I sent you. Um, so this was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We were number one in Ireland for aviation podcasts. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're talking about Ireland. Well, yeah, we have kind of. I mean, we're talking about Manchester, but well, Air Lingus. Yeah. And Dub Hub. For our listeners in Ireland, thank you so much. And, you know, give us some feedback. We we love our, give us a reason to visit Ireland. I guess we don't really need a reason. It's beautiful. We would fly there. (laughs) We don't need a reason. Yeah, so DubHub, Doug was Doug explaining something to me just a little bit <laughs> about subsidiaries. So this is um, Aer Lingus, but they're flying from Manchester, which is the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I knew that they could do that as a subsidiary. So it's a subsidiary. I'm going to come back at you because they're flying as Aer Lingus. They're probably using the same pilots, definitely the same planes. So is it really a subsidiary? They're not using the same pilots. They're opening a crew base there and they're hiring, I read 500 crew to, huh. uh, or 500 employees to do this, this service. So those okay. employees will be hired under this Northern Ireland based subsidiary. But if same you planes think, though. Yeah, uh, no, they're, they're going to, they're going to base four planes there. So I think they're actually yeah. moving the registration of those planes to uh-huh. this new subsidiary. But if so, you, well, but, but, but Drew, if you think about it, who owns Aer Lingus? Oh, um, IAG, right? IAG. Right. Same people who own British Airways. And Iberia. That's true. So maybe they're, they're a little looser than we are in the US. About yeah, be, because right? the EU and, and everything. Although it's, it's I, I know that IAG was worried with Brexit and what would happen with ownership stakes 
once mm-hmm. once the UK left the the EU. Yeah, it's just smoke and mirrors. So remember when I don't even do they? I don't know if they still do this. I'm pretty sure that they don't. Do you remember when airlines that flew to Taiwan had to have another mm-hmm. airline? Yeah, like KLM Asia. Asia. Yeah, which is a joke. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean. Maybe they do certain things to make it seem like a separate airline, yeah. but everyone knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So just to explain, so to fly to Taiwan for a while, you had to have a subsidiary of your airline do it because you also wanted to fly to China and China mm-hmm. didn't recognize Taiwan as a separate country. Mm-hmm. So that's why you saw British Airways Asia. Yep. Right. Yep. And sometimes, I don't know. Yes. So the planes that went there had to have that livery. Mm-hmm. It's the same company. So this is kind of similar to that but yeah different yeah. pilots and well yeah and and we were talking about before we started recording that ryanair has holding companies or holding certificates in different countries within europe norwegian had the same thing i, I think a lot of oh. norwegian's transatlantic business the seven eights that they were flying was yeah. based in ireland even though the airplanes may not necessarily fly from ireland to north america they were flying from rome and other places but that was an Irish-based subsidiary of Norwegian. And that's how they can get around some of these things. Mm. A lot of people, a lot of people don't probably realize that a lot of these multinational corporations, big names that you've heard of, like Coca-Cola, Marriott, all of those, mm-hmm. you have the the company that you know and the branding that you know, but a lot of the hotels you might stay at or the bottles of Coke that you drink that are bottled in whatever country you're in, they're yeah. actually owned and or bottled by a local company in whatever that country is Mm -hmm. that then pays for the franchising rights to be able to use the name. And that's how they get around this. Well, a good example is when I'm staying at the Hilton in Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. it's a Hilton. I mean, for all intensive purposes, branding and the quality and all that, but it's owned by some local Mm -hmm. people. So yeah, it's, it's it's like that in the U S too. A a lot of hotels are not actually owned by the, the flagship chain those hotels just pay for the franchise and mm-hmm. we're th- this is a big a big, <laughs> a, a, a big tangent <laughs> i stayed at a hyatt in Vail a couple years ago mm-hmm. that that was the first week as a hyatt the week prior to that it had been a marriott property oh wow they they shut down for like four days so they mm-hmm. could completely rebrand everything retrain the employees to the hyatt standard or, or whatever you want to call it right. so this happens all the time where yeah. where things like that where properties change and companies change and holding companies and shell companies and, and all that yeah and speaking one of those we'll have to have this on a on a future episode norse airways yeah <laughs> so norwegian shuts down their international operation and here's norse airways yeah. with probably the same people <laughs> with seven eight sevens and yeah exactly yeah <laughs> all right next story Wall Street Journal title is Airlines Add Roots in Fight for Americans Ready to Travel Again. So airlines are experimenting with uh, all kinds of crazy routes that likely wouldn't have been launched if not for the pandemic. More than 150 domestic routes have been announced in the recent weeks. Uh, United has 26 point-to-point routes from Midwestern cities to vacation destinations like Hilton Head, South Carolina, and Pensacola, Florida. American is launching several new routes to vacation destinations primarily focused with outdoor activities as well as 10 new routes from Austin. Allegiant added 34 new nonstops for this summer. Southwest added 17 new cities to its network since the start of the pandemic. Delta just announced 20 new routes from its hubs to vacation-heavy destinations. President Biden 
said that the 4th of July would begin to mark our independence from this virus, quote unquote. Afterward, July travel searches on Hopper, which is uh, um, a fair website, jumped 63%. Lots of darts being thrown at the board, Doug. Yeah, this this made my head hurt. <laughs> After reading the article, I tried to do some research on different airlines and, and what they've been adding. And even trying to find some of the routes, there is no one-stop shop that you can go and see what the 150 yeah. new routes are. It's all kinds of press releases here and there from the airlines. You said darts at the board, and we're going to talk about this in our ops topic coming up. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this is a smart strategy, to be honest. It's trying to figure out what's going to work. It's taking airplanes and crews that would have otherwise been grounded. They wouldn't do this if there wasn't some sort of demand, some level of demand for this. Because airlines, they're burning cash right now. They're not just going to go out on a limb and try something that could burn even more cash. That was a pre-pandemic thing, right? You saw Delta doing a lot of 767-300s to like Bucharest and and places like that that only worked for a season. Why? Because mm-hmm. it lost money. And mm-hmm. they just they took a stab. When you're making money, you can afford to make mistakes like that. The airlines can't really afford to make the mistakes right now. So I, I think that these are very well vetted. And again, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think it could it could possibly work. No, I agree with you. And um, it is working because I'm seeing some routes from my station. We wouldn't see flights to Jacksonville at all for a mm-hmm. while. And yeah. now we have 737 mainline to Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're seeing like a triple seven going to Orlando. Yeah. It's unheard of. So well, did, did I see that you're launching Tel Aviv as well? Tel Aviv probably at the end of the year. Yeah. Had you flown that previously or is that a no, completely new route? Okay. So that's brand new. Oh, no, no. Had. Yes. Yeah. From, from Dulles. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I, I, okay. I didn't realize yep. that. Okay. Triple seven, triple seven, 200. Okay. It'll go to a seven, eight, seven. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I have more routes to talk about when we get to it. Should we just go to our next topic? Yeah, we might as well. So this, this gave Drew and I an idea for our ops topic this week, which is network planning. A lot of these new routes like Milwaukee to Portland, Maine might seem like throwing a dart at the wall see if it sticks, but there's a lot more that goes into it than just a hope and a prayer. So just real quickly, Airlines look to maximize both profitability and reliability. Big data and technology have enabled airlines to forecast demand better than ever before. Network planners see where passenger booking trends are before launching the new service. Here's an example, and I'm, I'm just kind of pulling this one out of a hat. Mm-hmm. So for, let's say that there are 200 people a week who on United book Milwaukee to Hilton Head, South Carolina. Before the nonstop, they would go through Dulles. They would go through... O'Hare, they would go through Houston, they would go through wherever to get there. The airline has the data knowing where the booking trends are. They know where those people are going. So if there are 200 people a week who are going from Milwaukee to Hilton Head and United has a bunch of CRJ 550s sitting around unused, which Mm -hmm. seat 50 people, if they do a three-week lead service from Milwaukee to Hilton Head, they can catch 150 of those 200 people who would probably prefer taking the nonstop. And it's all because of the data that the airlines are accumulating and, and they can look at this. Aside from the data, another reason why airlines launch some of these routes is as a defensive measure. So for instance, Delta just relaunched a lot of flights to Alaska from Seattle to like Juneau, Ketchikan, a couple other places I can't remember. Within a couple of days, Alaska announced that they were going to fly Anchorage to Minneapolis, which has been a Delta and previous to that Northwest mm-hmm. mainstay for 25 30 years. And Alaska, as a defensive measure, countered with that flight. 
I'm not saying that that's what happens all the time, that it's a defensive position, but a lot of times airlines do that to say, okay, you're coming at me in this area. Guess what? Mm -hmm. I'm bringing it right to <laughs> right to your main hub and we're, we're going to go toe to toe in a different place. Yeah, no, I like it. It's dog fights all, all over the country now, mm -hmm. you know, for popular routes. Let's make this topic a little bit more fun, Doug. So we all decided, we both decided to choose five interesting new routes that we think have are that are notable and then we're gonna as a bonus we're gonna pick a sixth one that we think is a new seasonal seasonal route but we think it could succeed on a year-round basis now doug i gotta tell you we both talked about this before it was there wasn't a single place to find this information mm -hmm. it just seemed we had to go wherever to find what routes and what was more maddening was i couldn't really find any international stuff the, mm -hmm. a lot of it was u.s based and i know we're we live in the U.S. and we're U.S. focused, but I really tried to find, all right, what do we have going on in Asia? What do we have mm -hmm. going on in Europe? And I couldn't really find a lot. And that just shows internationally, traffic is still pretty much ground to a halt, mm -hmm. even though we see all this stuff rising. And then we do see these signature routes from New York to London and stuff. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> all right. We... Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to do this? How do you want to do one? I, 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 yeah, I, I'll, I'll go. I'll go first. My first one is Anchorage to Las Vegas on Alaska. I think this is going to be a big success. No one else is flying that route. Mm -hmm. Alaska basically owns Anchorage. I, I'm not sure what the percentage of flights are out of Anchorage, but it's a big hub for Alaska. Mm -hmm. And think about how dark and cold it gets in the winter in Anchorage. Yeah. To have a nonstop to Las Vegas in December. That's that's mm -hmm. perfect. So I, I think that's going to be a big success. Well, you know, we're thinking of places in the U.S. where people have wanted to go right now is when they're going because they mm -hmm. can't go to they can't travel internationally. So what is some place that's exotic and pretty far away that I can go without any vaccinations? So I think you're going to see a lot of places like Anchorage raising in popularity. And we are going there next mm -hmm. month. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. What's, all right, so what's your first one? one? Oh, yeah. So my first one is. Also Vegas, because <laughs> everyone wants to go there. <clears throat> it's uh, Austin to Las Vegas on American. So Austin is a uh, you know affluent clientele mm -hmm. that I'm sure loves to go to Vegas like all of us. So uh, I think that route's going to be successful. American also um, launched like ten other routes to uh, out of Austin, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I always, I knew this was going to happen. The, no one has a hub there, mm -hmm. but now you have American. For United, it might be a little close to Houston. It's a two hour drive. But um, I think even United will probably put more. Put um, yeah, there. yeah, definitely because Austin is just growing so much. All right, well, I'm going to jump ahead in my list and talk about another flight to Vegas, mm -hmm. and this is Southwest from Colorado Springs to Las Vegas. Yep, Southwest Vegas. just entered Colorado Springs. They hadn't flown any routes out of Colorado Springs. They added Phoenix, Chicago, Houston. I don't know if those are going to work as well because Colorado Springs is only about an hour south of Denver. If if you're trying to go somewhere in the U.S. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you really don't have that many options out of Colorado Springs. You're going to have to make a connection somewhere. Yeah. People are always going to Vegas from anywhere. Vegas is just such a, a big destination. Yeah, so to not to not have to drive that hour up to Denver when it's mm -hmm. only about an hour flight from Colorado Springs anyway, I think that Vegas flights can do really well for Southwest. Do you think your parents would leave Delta to fly Southwest for a nonstop to Vegas if they had to go to Vegas? Are you, is that a serious question? It's not a serious question <laughs> no, because my dad, dad would connect via. He um, loves he loves the Kennedy double to... triple connection. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. I know your mom would be like, Hey, let's do this. We can be there. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Dale's going to have some story like, Oh yeah, I checked. It's full. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is one that we wanted to do right twice. And oh we yeah. Do it today. Right? Today was the day. Today's the day. Yeah. I, I followed on on flight away. So United from Kennedy to San Francisco and Los Angeles launched to today as we're taping it. It's March 28th. So that's an interesting route. We'll see how they do. There's a lot of competition. So United is hoping that their 767 300 with uh, the heavy premium where the premium cabins go all the way behind the wing <laughs> and the regular economy is just a small section at the end. So we'll see. That starts today. That was, um, I thought, an interesting route. I'm going to do another United one. And uh, this is kind of a cop out because it's multiple routes, mm-hmm. but it's all to a single destination. And that's Hilton Head. We we talked about the Midwest cities. It's St. Louis, Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh all yeah. get, it, it's not daily nonstop. It's like twice, three, four times weekly. It just seems so random. It does. But, but here's the thing, Drew. Hilton Head is a very affluent destination. Lots of timeshares, condos, big houses on the water. Not a cheap place to go. They're using CRJ 550s, which for the listeners who don't know, it's a 50-seat regional jet with 10 first-class seats, 20 premium or extra legroom seats, not just 20 regular economy. So that is a very high premium route or high premium airplane. And and Hilton Head is a... Swanky. Hilton Head is a very premium destination. And so I, I think that using this airplane a couple times a week, mm-hmm. bringing, bringing more affluent people to an affluent place, not having to connect, being able to have those more premium seats. I right. think that these are, these are going to do pretty well. And I wouldn't be surprised if next summer it's, it's just mm-hmm. seasonal. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it come back even as demand in other places starts to return. And how many seats do those CRJ 700 there's CRJ 700s, which is termed a 550 because it's less seats. Mm-hmm. It's only 50 seats. 50 seats. Exactly. So it's not a stretch no. to fill 50 seats. No. You know? Next, we have Seattle to London on American. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that was in the, that was in the works. Mm-hmm. So this is, we're talking about Seattle again, which is becoming another, you know, a hotbed of airline competition with Delta, Alaska, and American. So all this is possible because of, um, Alaska joining one world. Mm-hmm. Right. So now Seattle is a focal point. Seattle, London. Um, I'm not sure what they f- they're flying. I think it's a 787. I think it's a triple on that one. A triple. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they're starting off with some big guns. Yeah. There's a lot of competition on that route, though. Virgin flies it. Delta flies it. Mm. Or no, uh, Virgin might not, but Delta flies it. BA flies it. So a lot, a lot of competition on there. No, yeah. Virgin does. I, I've seen a, a seven eight in Seattle. Okay, yeah, sounds like the West Coast Boston. Yeah, get, getting all these additional <laughs> flights. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna go with one that is not technically new. It went away during the pandemic, but it's back, and that's Minneapolis to Reykjavik or to Keflavik. Oh. Which is, is that one of yours too? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. On on Delta, Delta initially launched it back in 2016, and then when the pandemic hit, it went away. That that is a great route. Can you save that? Save that. Save that. Save the talk about that route. All right. So we're gonna have to to circle back. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll I'll save the talk about that. And in this circle back, we will actually circle back. Yeah. So what's your next one then? All right. My next one. um, 
Okay, so you were talking about network planners, seeing where people are going, seeing where people are connecting to, and eventually like, why don't we just start a nonstop, right? Mm-hmm. So my next one is Washington, D.C. to Accra. Got oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every day from the East Coast, there's thousands of people going to Africa. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of nonstops. So this will be, will be one of these signature nonstops. And it's going to go from Dulles to Accra. It's United. It's on a 787. I think this thing is going to do great. So United tried doing this. Oh, my goodness. I would say about 10 years ago mm-hmm. with a 767. And the flight was full all the time. I don't know how the yields were. But um, it was full. So I'm expecting this one to do very well. And there's also talk of uh, Lagos. Yeah, I, I know Delta does Atlanta, Accra, and Atlanta, Lagos as well. And They do that right now? They do that right now. Mm-hmm. All right, competition. Yeah, and it's it's done really well. They've been doing it for probably a decade at least. Yeah, yeah. so this is out of the box because you know these airlines are usually... Oh, a new route to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a third yeah. flight to London. You know, So yeah. it's nice to see thinking out of the box. All right. My, my last one is on American JFK to Santiago, Chile. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause if you think about it, they don't have the LATAM partnership anymore. American doesn't. So right. that's a, that's a route that LATAM used to fly that American would get the the passenger feed on and, and mm. the code share on that being one world partners. There is a lot of OND traffic from New York to South America. This is a route that I think American will step in and continue doing very well on because American mm. is the largest U.S. carrier in South America. And, you know, there's been so much of a downturn or so many flights taken out of that market. I think it's time to get back in. And um, American is the strongest, you know, in Latin America mm-hmm. of the majors, it seems like. So what is that a 787? I didn't see what it was. I'm not sure. All right. My last one is uh, also from New York. JFK was it's a double. It's JFK slash Boston to London Heathrow with JetBlue. Mm-hmm. So JetBlue, we knew that they were going to London. We didn't think that they were going to get Heathrow, but they did get Heathrow slots. Mm-hmm. Right now they have 270, which is not for the whole year, but it looks like it's incremental. So they might get more and more and they may be able to start with a daily flight. That's going to be one of those routes. You know, we'll see if a narrow body from uh, the East Coast to uh, Europe is going to work. I think it will. Um, you ready to talk about our... Uh... Yeah, should should I go first? Yes. And then and then we can come back to the... We can circle back to the, <laughs> the, the one you told me to wait on. Yeah. So mine, mine that right now is seasonal that I, I could see being successful year-round is Delta from LAX to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Oh, that's interesting. Right now, it, which it surprised me because usually the seasonal flights to Jackson Hole are winter because of skiing. Yep. I in in this research, it looks like almost every single airline is launching some sort of service, summer seasonal service to Jackson mm-hmm. Hole. And yeah. and part of the reason for this is there's not a lot you can do indoors right now, but outdoors. And that is the one of the closest airports to a lot of really great national parks, a lot of really great outdoor activities. And so the airlines are capitalizing on this. Jackson Hole has great Jackson, Wyoming has great skiing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a cousin who's lived there for probably a decade as a ski instructor and and loves it yeah. there. I could see LA to Jackson working year round. You get the ski Absolutely. traffic. Oh yeah. In the summer. I'm sure it's beautiful there in the summer. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Let's circle back. <laughs> All right. Let's circle back. So my um, one-off seasonal one that I think should go, that will probably go year round is my thought is Delta Minneapolis to Keflavik. And I'll tell you, especially this may not be for the next 20 years, but I think there are, 
Americans are looking for places to go that are easy to get into. And if mm-hmm. Iceland is saying all you have to show is a vaccination, this could work year round. And you know, my partner, Robbie, loves Iceland mm-hmm. and he's constantly talking about the Northern Lights. Yeah. So right before this show, I was like, let's book a flight to Iceland because it's probably going to be cheap. We can go in the winter, see the Northern Lights. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Iceland is just for summer. I think people talk about going there. That's one of those places like Australia and New Zealand. You can Alaska. go year round. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, just places that we think of, hey, someday I want to go. Yeah, I, I think it could be year round. And we talked about Minneapolis. So mm-hmm. my thought was that in Minneapolis was 90% connections. Mm-hmm. But no, you, you told me it's what is it? 70% O&D? Yeah, or no, not not that high. But a, a lot of it is O&D. They've got uh, what did I say, I think 17 Fortune 500 companies headquartered there. They're a lot of business. Right. Well, so you have a strong local market. And instead of people flying from the west, from the west coast all the way to the east coast to get to Iceland, Minneapolis is a great place to connect for anything west of there. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point, and I, I was considering that for mine. Delta's JFK to Iceland flight is year-round. My thought for Minneapolis is it's cold in the winter. It's cold mm. and dark in the winter. <laughs> gonna go place, so, are, are you really going to want to go to Iceland? Uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the Iceland winter traffic is probably mm-hmm. people from warmer destinations who could connect through JFK. And I don't know if you saw this in the in the press release. The difference between the mini flight and the JFK flight, mm-hmm. they're both seven fifty sevens. JFK yeah. is the one that we were on from JFK to Seattle with the Delta One seats. Yeah. The Minneapolis flight is just a domestic 757. Oh, no. So no, okay. no Delta One. It's just domestic first class. I don't know. I, I don't know if that right now could sustain year round because there's not a strong enough O&D from Minneapolis in the cold, dark winter to colder, darker winter okay. in Iceland. If they do continue it, we'll circle back. If they don't, I'll, <laughs> okay. So that I'll means tell we're not, you I'll circle. Back. That means circle we're not coming back to it. Um, I just want one one shout out to my local airport, SAC, if you will, yeah, or SAC. Smurf Sacramento. Mm-hmm. They're doing really well right now. In fact, this week JetBlue launched nonstop to Cancun. No way. I didn't oh, know that. Great. I, I yeah, did not. I, I live here and I didn't even know they were launching that until I yes. until I read it. Plus, most of the Hawaii service that was lost initially in the pandemic is back, which is yeah. great to see. Oh, now that you're mentioning that, can I add a bonus one? Yeah. That I think we'll probably continue. Mm-hmm. Hawaiian Airlines, Phoenix to Maui. I was right? surprised. I was surprised that they had they hadn't done that. Yeah. They're saying it's seasonal. Yeah. I think that could be successful year round. Yeah. Well, uh, can I add another bonus? <laughs> yes. Hawaiian Austin to Honolulu. Is that seasonal? I don't know if it's seasonal, but I think that's I think that's going to do really well. Why, you know, when you think about Austin to <laughs> Hawaii, why does that need to be seasonal? It's warm there throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. So that could be all year. Before we go, Doug, we got to talk about something. We talked about all these serious things, but I, we have something much more important to finish <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm not kidding. I I'm surprised I haven't even asked you this question. So, we have to talk about something really important, and I need to know where you stand on this. Our buddy Tyler was at JFK last week and po- uh, posted some really great photos, as he always does. But it got us thinking, what's better, takeoff or landing shots? What was the poll results? Yeah, so we put a poll out. We asked the listeners. We said either takeoff or landing. And just as a side note, our, our buddy Greg said that you sh- we should have had taxi shots in there as well. He said there's nothing wrong right. with a great taxi shot. The the re- the results were landing at sixty one and a half percent, 
take off 38 and a half percent what's yours i wonder definitely landing yeah mine too why landing um i don't know i i think it's just the angles of the plane with the gear down especially especially with the triple seven where we talked about a couple weeks ago where the bogeyed gear and it hangs Mm -hmm. you you, i don't know and and it's slower too so you get to enjoy more of the plane the the flaps are out more it it, it just looks a lot different and i i I don't know I, i like it better no just what you said i mean i feel not feel it is slower so you have more time to take a nice picture the angle is more dramatic so you mm-hmm. get these dramatic shots of the flares coming in all the flaps are out so you get you see the full flaps you know the control surfaces of the plane out and then sometimes you might see some contrails mm-hmm. you know not contrails but uh, condensation yeah which is pretty well and it's lower too right because takeoffs so unless unless you're at an angle where you, you catch it just rotating if you're yeah. under a runway or something it's a lot higher as it passes over you on the takeoff than it would be on landing we don't need to circle back on this so landing shots are better yeah yeah <laughs> a- anyone who said takeoff you are wrong <laughs> no we're just kidding we, we love everyone all right well to our listeners this podcast is your show so go on our website nextstripnetwork.com let us know what's on your mind we can talk about it or give us your feedback you can also follow us on twitter or instagram at next trip podcast please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel Thanks to all of our listeners and for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. From Colorado Springs to Las Vegas. Yeah. Southwest, do you need to mute those? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let me just sign out. I thought I signed out of everything, but this... That's my office stuff. All right, sign out. All right, sorry about that. No, it's all right. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. Good one. Other than my Microsoft Teams, sorry about that. It could no, have been right. a no edit episode. I um, I got a couple texts too that my buddy. It, so my engineer is mm-hmm. still out there working. Yeah. Um, and he had some sim questions. So I don't know if you if you saw me. I was. Yeah, I, saw I was. That. I was, I was like, I was answering his questions about the sim because he's in there right now. Yeah, I was like, really? Right during the podcast?